we had beat them at Prince George. Quincy had it, he had the game winner. So, mm. like, we going crazy. Oh, yeah, So, yeah. they couldn't wait to play us again, bro. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yo, we, we hype. They hype. Bro, halftime, this shit wasn't even a game. Yeah, bro. This shit was over in the first quarter. Like, they came out making, I think it was, like, 20 to 0 at half. Like, the first quarter, I'm like, damn. These niggas making everything, bro. Man, I remember we went down to Prince George, and it was a close one. And Brax hit, like, a, a half-court game winner, but they called it off. Yeah, I remember that, bro. But, bro. I think that's when Sterling had dunked on somebody. Yeah. And Brax hit the, and they called it. I'm like, yo, they reviewed that. That, that was good. <laughs> I'm glad like, there was no cameras back then. Even had, like, he shot it from the other, the like, other, other free throw. Free throw. Yeah, like, cash that like, cash. I'm like, yo. I was like. We got to run that back because he definitely, like, bro. Man, I was so happy we got out of that because I was like, you ain't going to hear that. You ain't going to let nah. that down ever. Nah. Ever. Nah, bro. Shoot, let's go ahead. We've been talking. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Hey, you. welcome to the Just Action Podcast, where all we do is take action. And today we have a special segment where it's called The Great Journey, where we have real people and have real conversations with them. I'm the one the only holiday season you hear for a reason. And today, as you've been hearing us talk about basketball, I got a good friend with me. We're going to talk about hoops and much more. My boy, Nate, the great Nate. What's up, y'all, man? What's, What's up, happening, man? brother? Can't call him, man. Can't call him. Hey, man. As, as the old people say, can't call him Mike Spoiler. I might spoil it, I might spoil Hey. I've been saying that people don't, people don't never <laughs> no, get, don't it. get it. Don't They'll get never it, get it. So I'm glad you I can't it. call it. I might spoil it. Hey. Like, what that mean, hey? I can't. I can't, I can't, I can't. tell you. I can't. I tell you, I'm going to spoil it. You know? I can't. Man, how's life with you, bro? How's everything? It's it's good. It's It's been a little shaky. Um, As as you know, personally, I've had, it's what, 2023? So in July it will be five years since I've had a heart attack since yep. I had my heart attack, and then it will also be but it'll also be three years since I had open heart surgery, and I just came up on two years from a, um, a car accident as well. So yeah, bro, it's like bro, I've I tell people all the time I've experienced near death three times in my life, and uh, all before the age of twenty five. So. Yeah, Must man. to be here, bro. I'm <laughs> yeah, glad you're here, bro. Big blessing, bro. Yeah. And what what we jump right into, I, you know, we'll get back to hoops because that's just yeah. natural. But uh, silence the critics, bro. I want to I want to dive into that and kind of just you know explore what you're doing with that, what it is, what's the big plan behind it because I think it's a dope mission that you have, and especially like the process of where you're trying to expand it to. I think it's gonna be super dope. So tell the people a little bit about silence the critics. Oh, uh, so silence the critics is. It's a digital platform that gives a voice to everybody, like oh, whether you're an entrepreneur, athletes, um, is your for your craft, your desire, your desired craft. Um, my motto or the mantra is let your actions speak louder than their words, and that's something you hear all that you've heard all the time growing up as a kid. Like oh, let your actions speak louder than their words. You hear it in every field, and initially, I was gonna cater it to athletes mm -hmm. because in the athletic world is as you know it's very hard to you got critics everywhere but then somebody you know told me you should broaden your horizon and i was like you know what because it applies to every level of whether you're a doctor it doesn't matter mm -hmm. so I was like, you know what i'm gonna expand it entrepreneurs whoever music artists let's do it so let your actions speak louder than their words is really for me I, I was like yeah i like that and then I came up with it during COVID. Okay. I mean, we were on lockdown, didn't have nothing to do. So me and my homeboy we were just spraying off ideas of what we wanted to do for each other, like what each other like with life. For next, we didn't know how long COVID, what it was going to exactly. be. Exactly. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to make this. I always I always preach about giving back. Mm -hmm. No matter what I do, I was like, I want to give back. How can I give back? And I'm like, bro, I'm blessed enough to be, I have the opportunity now. Let me do now. 
let me give back now. I'm coaching, but here in COVID, stop that. So I'm like, okay, let me give back. What, what other ways? And I came up with that. It's just it took off from there, bro. It's just, um, I man, I got hoodies, sweatshirts, um, long sleeves, t-shirts. It just it doesn't matter. Like we we cater to custom. Like if you want a certain color, I do it all. Mm-hmm. It just depends. Um, my biggest the quote for it. Another quote we have is "Be you. Don't be anyone but yourself." And like I had somebody ask me, "What does that mean?" Be authentic. It doesn't like no matter. Don't change or try to con- construe who you are for anybody else. Be you. Yeah. Don't be anybody but yourself. So it's like, and it's crazy. I say that because in the in the pickup game. In a men's league game, some dude like he was he was barking at me. He was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm guarding him." So I poked him in the chest. I was like, "Yo, be you," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah." That's how you know it's sticking. Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, I got to stick." Bro. That's the one. So with this digital platform, and I know you sell like you're doing merch, but what does that digital platform for the entrepreneurs, for the athletes, for the lawyers, the doctors? What does that kind of entail? Uh, that service base that you're doing for that? It, um, so what I've done recently. Um, I've did like photo shoots with like a couple of my players and athletes, but I've started doing interviews as well, mm-hmm. like little questionnaires, like spotlights, yep. which kind of asks them who they are, you know, their favorite movie and stuff, but what got them into their craft. Yeah. So for you, I would ask, you know, what made you, pop, you know, what got you, into, what inspired you, not what made you, what inspired you, or who inspired you to be a podcaster, or you know, hearing your desire. You know your goal. Like yeah. Your, your yeah, yeah. What? Who? Who pushed you to do that dream? Right. What pushed you? And I've had, man, I've had a, a young photographer, um, um, Jackson, Jackson Barrett. He's a um, freshman at Prince George, and I asked him. He pretty much gave me the rundown of what inspired him, inspired him to do everything. I'm like, okay. So just typing that up, and I did one. I'm doing more and more. So it's like, I feel doing that, it helps them get, it helps me with the brand get out. Yeah. It helps people get to know them deeper than just somebody who's playing on a basketball court, somebody on a football field or a lawyer. It gets, you get to know that person. Yeah. I I like uh, the thought process with it because in, in this space, right. A podcast, uh, Mm -hmm. blog, uh, interview, those things like that. You want, you wonder how do you get exposure and the best way to do it. And the way I'm figuring it out now is like, Yo, this interview thon that I'm doing mm-hmm. where I'm trying to whoever wants to interview, whoever wants to talk, yeah, let's yeah. let's get up and let's do it, right? That's where you I'm finding the expansion. Cause now it's like, yo, of course I went to go talk to like celebrities, quote unquote, yeah. right? Where that's cool and that's dope. And people are like, oh, you you know, you get yeah, in the you know room with them, that's, that's cool, yeah. that's dope. But like getting in the room with the the common people where we're like all chasing the dream. We're all down here, we're not there yet, but we're all aspiring to get there, right? That's where the expansion comes, cause now somebody sees this and they like, oh, I know Nate. Yeah, I know what he's doing. Oh snap, he on a podcast. Yeah. Whether the podcast is big or not, having a camera is gonna make it, it is, look like it's like it's big, it right? Is, it is. Exactly. But getting the story out there is is gonna be huge, not only for, and I'm saying this for both of us, not only for your platform, but for the person that you're giving the and exposure that's, to. That's where I'll kind of like. I want to get them out there more. It's I, I care about me, but like I, I said, I, I love helping people. Yeah. No matter what it is, bro. Like, my therapist has told me I'm an like not even knowing I'm an empathetic. So I love helping people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, bro, if I can help you raise your platform, whether you're in college, high school, it doesn't matter. And really, the high school kids are mainly like, because they don't know. Yeah. Like, if I can help you build your name, build your brand, bro, just 
stack those chips and now we're going here, here. exactly like i said the guy um the kid jackson man from june of last year to now the kid has over forty three thousand fo- um 4300 followers on instagram and it's like yeah he's really state playoffs he did he took pictures for the state playoffs championship and then more he's took pictures for estg so his and v, vcu so his clientele is going up right and i'm just like he's like how do i stay i'm like bro just stay be you just keep being you don't change for nobody else bro and like i've given him advice i've told him like he has instagram i was like you need to make a tiktok now because now tiktok social media is going to be helpful right for everything twitter and tiktok as you know tiktok i mean twitter you can retweet something that's can get a out, photo yeah. can get his, it, it, a, a photo or a video and he does both tiktok same way so it's like it's now, Instagram is cool, but expand your social media. Yeah. So take take us back a little bit before Silence the Critic. So, you know, I know we were talking about hoop for a minute, a whole bunch of hoop, and then I, I know, but they don't. You were coaching. So how did you get into the, the coaching world? Man, I got into coaching accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say that accidentally. I say it with, like, with pride, but I accidentally got into coaching. And I say that because I started coaching when I was 21. And I was like, bro, like, what? Like, assistant coaching? No. Like, head coach. I had my own AU team, um, Foundation Academy Sports. Um, my guy, David Anderson, big love for him, man. Uh, I started working there, and then I was, like, telling him about what I wanted to do in life. And he's like, okay, okay. And then one day during work, he came up to me. He was like, he was like, you want to coach the AU team? I was like, huh? And I was like, he was like, yeah, like, head coach. I was like. Yeah, sure. He was like fifth grade. I was like, okay, so I'm not really knowing. I was like, I know about coaching because my guy Brad Byerson. Um, shout out B. Yeah, shout out to Big B. I, I was helping him. Like I was coaching up under him as well. Like assistant coach with JV at Thomas Dale. Mm-hmm. By the way, we only lost five games. The, the three years we were there, we lost five games. Talk about it. And I'm like, yo, people, it's underrated. I'll get into that, but that, that's <laughs> underrated. But something like, bro, fifth grade, I had a team full of fifth graders, bro. And I always wanted to coach. When I started coaching, my idea was to start young and then grow, like, go older, especially if I was going to have the head coach. Because mm-hmm. at the time, I'm 21. These kids are fifth grade. They're, like, 10, 11 years old. So I'm only 10, like, I'm only 9, 10 years older than them. They're right. Like, bro. They're looking at me. I'm looking at them like, bro, like, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm talking about, but their parents, it's not even, it was their parents. Yeah. Like, He's young. I'm like, dog, I know. It's like it's, it's, it's hard yeah it was, it was hard my first year it was hard bro because here again it wasn't mainly the players like trying to boys i knew i knew what it was being a boy mm-hmm. so i know how to talk to them know how to get them to respond and it really wasn't the basketball part it was the being outside of basketball yeah being a big brother yep so a lot of them like they had they were either the oldest or their only child so I became the big brother for them. Yep. And I told their parents the first um, practice like, meeting. I had a meeting with the parents. I said, hey, if he's messing up at home, come talk to me. I said, home, school, whatever, come talk to me. And I, I said, I would deal with it in practice. And they're like, they're looking at me like, Wait. I was like, y'all can deal with it at home as well, but let me in practice. Let me, like, if he can't come to practice, no, bring him to practice. I'll handle it. And I had one kid, um, his name is MJ. He goes to Ben 18 now. And he, he was, like, his grades, you know, messing up in school. And I want to say it was either his fifth grade or his sixth grade. His mom didn't want him to go to the tournament. I said, no, bring him to practice. So the whole, he ran the whole practice. Until I, 
Here again, it's Kose. So I, I got time. So I got time. <laughs> so I made him run and then switch from running to wall sits. It was punishment. He couldn't do nothing. Like, and then I made, matter of fact, I made him shoot free throws as well. And if he missed, the whole team had to run. They had to run anyway because he got in trouble. Yeah. And then she was like, oh, I don't want him to come to the tournament. I said, no, bring him to the tournament. I, like, I convinced her. I talked to her to come to the tournament because she didn't want him to go at all. He came. We lost our first game by, like, 20. I looked at him on the bench, and I told him, I said, this is your fault. Because I only had, like, five or six guys. Like, when I had seven guys, he was out. So, it made six. I only yeah. had one sub. So, I, I turned to him. I said, this is your fault. He was he was crying and everything. So, I said, I, after the game, we talked about it to the whole team. I told him he apologized at practice. But I made him apologize to the team and the players. And he was like, it won't happen again. Didn't have a problem at him. After that, didn't have no problem. And it's like, some kids need that. Yeah. So I, I learned at that that quick, like some kids needed the like they need a coach who can just snap them back into it. Yeah, that like tough discipline, especially yeah, yeah. like in in sports where it's like okay, it's not gonna be like the whooping punishment, right? No. It's not like that, but that running and that wall sits, bro. For like, and you know you had practice for like an hour, hour and a half, two hour, bro. Yeah, yeah you got a two, two hour, hour practice, bro. man, and then y'all lose. It's like all that kind of. Compiles on itself yeah. where it's just like, yeah, man, I'm gonna make sure I don't. Like do he this was already again. upset anyway because he couldn't play. Exactly. And he thought it was only gonna be for like a half. Like I tried to convince his mom to a half. She was like, no, she didn't want him to play at all. So I was like, you know what? He not gonna play. So I told him, and he was upset. And then we, I finally talked to him. She came to me. She was like, he could play. In the, you know the other game. Yeah. So he played, and I was like, bro, we end up winning the tournament because now you see. Like the motivation that he had, he already had, he had motivation, but it was like, bro, I'm not getting in trouble. Exactly, no more, bro. He was like one, like he he a lefty, so he hard to guard anyway. Yeah, his skill level has gotten better over the years. And it's just like, dog, listen, like do your school, and it was just simple. It was like simple stuff. Like it wasn't like he was acting up in class. Right, he just wasn't. His grades had dropped, so I was like, yep, bring him to practice, bro. Yeah, he made made an example. I hate, I hate, I had to make an example out of him, but. Yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, nah. I'm right there with you, bro, because I had uh, – I coached at a private school. Mm-hmm. And um, one day, so they do – I was only going in there for one one day a week. I wasn't, like, the head yeah. coach anymore. But I coached them prior, the head coach. So when I came in on Wednesdays, they'll have this – they'll work they'll work out. Then they'll go do, like, either, yeah. like, lifting or yoga or something like that. They was with the PE teacher. They was wilding out. She ended up – like canceling her <laughs> session early, so they came back downstairs. I'm like, yo, this ain't time. Like, yeah. why y'all still down here? And they was like, coach, we was in there acting crazy, and they look at me like big brother because I'm only what yep. 25, 26. Yeah. They about to be they seniors, juniors, and seniors now. So I'm like, that's cool, bro. Yeah, just go ahead and get on that baseline, big yep. dog. That's and see, that's I think a lot that's underrated, bro. Like I told, I told them, coach, my my coaching philosophy, bro. I hate being up early. I hate less anything, not even coaching. I hate waking up before 8 o'clock. I feel like that's a personal, that should be a crime to be up before 8 o'clock, bro. And you know, AAU, you got an 8 o'clock game, you got to be there at 7. Yeah, you got to be there. Bro, we had a tournament in Fredericksburg. We played at 8 o'clock. So, I mean, I had to leave at 6 to be there at 7. Yep. Like, I told them prior to the tournament, I told them in front of their parents, Coach Nate does not like morning games. 8 o'clock in the morning, do not talk to me, don't say nothing to me. I haven't ate yet. Don't say nothing. Yeah. Y'all better come out here and do what you're supposed to do. Bro, they get to the game. They're warming up all lackadaisical. I'm like, so I knew what I knew what kind of time it was. Yeah. I called them in. I was like, yo, 
y'all get y'all shit together. Like, I, I knew it. And I was like, so we started the game. They're like, okay, coach. They're warming up harder. Started the game. I say, like, the first two minutes, I called a timeout. I said, ref, I need a 30. He was like, full of 30. It's 30. I said, but I don't need the whole 30. Took 10 seconds. I cussed him out, and I sent him right back out there. Changed the whole that, that yeah, changed the whole changed the whole dynamic. I said, y'all know I don't play. I was like, bro, it's eight o'clock in the morning. Don't I said get together. And like, I didn't even like I cussed it, but it was like that was it, bro. Yeah. And I'm not the most coaches are really loud, like Phil Knight kind of guy. I'm not. That's not me. I'm nah. a laid. I'm a laid back person. I'm. I'll cuss you out, or I'll chew you out. And my whole my whole demeanor, you can tell by my demeanor more than my. I don't have to be loud, bro. Yeah. I don't. I don't need your parents. I don't need parents to hear me. I'm gonna talk to you one on one, just like now. And if you understand, all right, cool. My tone, your tone tells you a lot more. Yeah, so all right, coach, yeah, he's serious. Like I laugh and joke with you, but yeah. I like when it's after, business. Yeah, it's yeah. Business. After practice, bro. Even the team I had last year, bro, I laugh and joke with them the whole time. But when it's game time, bro, it's it's game. Yeah. Like, I'm so, not, so what did you uh what you coach last year? Um, VA Havoc. Um, okay, CCD, yeah, yeah. So we got guys from. Um, point guard Kenny De Guzman up at Potomac, shooting guard Peter Peter Mitchell from Potomac, yeah, Makai Byerson at Manchester, Sean Long at Hopewell, Cameron Myers at Hopewell, we got Malachi Cosby at Veranda, yeah, I've got some um, guys ben, over there. Ben, I forgot Ben's last name, but he's at Massaponics. So we got guys all over, bro. Yeah. Like, here again, I'm of course you know Brad, so Brad was a little more, more he's. When it comes to two different coaching styles, we love like parents loved it because I'm more of the laid back coach to to compare to Brad. Yeah. So when it came to like problems, he'll he'll cuss them out. Bro, there's been times Brad will call a timeout and I'll jump up and he's like, "No, sit." I'm like, "Oh shit!" Like <laughs> that's how I know they're about to get in trouble. Like, yeah. He don't even need the whole team. He just needs to five on the floor. Exactly. And like he'll cuss them out. Like what the fuck are you? I'm like, "Yo, yeah." That, hey. that goes back to our JV, where JV is like, bro. Like I said, we lost five. I want to say like five games in three years, and that's for you know freshman sophomore like a lot of these kids grew up with us and it was like dog practice bro we didn't call fouls in practice we didn't no hell no we we didn't call fouls certain drills we didn't do out of bounds because we know the ref isn't gonna give us to us right because of Brad yeah it's not because of like me or it's because of Brad like because Brad <laughs> played at Thomas Dale so a lot yeah. of these refs are, they refed him they knew how he played. And we had one ref, he didn't like, it was like two refs, they didn't call nothing because of Brad, strictly because of him. And he ended up getting a technical foul. And like, that's a big dude. Bro. Right, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He like, when he, you that big, bro, you're not gonna get that many fouls anyways. And like, that's what we had to kind of like, let them know like, bro, we played through that shit. Like, yeah. Just played through it, bro. Like, if he run up on you, oh boy, we don't, we didn't care, we cared, but like, at the same time, protect yourself. Yeah. It's like, it's like a protect yourself kind of thing, bro. So with, with all this coaching and then like silence to critics is kind of the same same regards where it's like giving the spotlight to whoever it is but you started off giving the spotlight to kids where does the and you said like you're in in that in that and i don't know how to say em, that shit it's sympathy you know sympathy and then the, oh empathy em, 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 okay like empath yeah, empathetic em, 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 yeah, something no, like that yeah. they know they know yeah, what they, they, y'all know what it is. Y'all yeah. know what it is, man. so, so when, when it came to like having that kind of demeanor and that time that kind of attitude did that where does that come from does that come from your parents does that come from like you were saying you know you've been through a lot like how I, honestly i think this is, i want to say my parents um, I grew up. That's just how I was growing up. My dad is the same way, 
but he's more like me and my dad are like a lot a lot alike in a lot of ways like mm-hmm. we get emotional but we get quiet yeah so if something's bothering us whether we're upset we get really quiet but it's like so you can't you can tell when something's wrong because we get too quiet. exactly like we're, we're talking we're that we're in a good mood but when something's wrong or like i said when we're sad about it, it's like you're too quiet what's wrong exactly so i've grown i i got that from my my dad my mom same like same way in a, in a way my my attitude really comes everything comes from my dad bro like stuttering even when i get mad my dad when he gets mad he stutters bro. so it's like <laughs> if i get mad like i st- i'm like yeah it's like yeah. it's running the family yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's a domino effect but it's like yeah bro growing up like just that's i've always been that way like I have to fix it. Like somebody told me that, like, what's wrong? I feel like I need to fix. Like, give me your your problems. Let me try to fix that. Right. And I trigger that on the coaching uh, in a way. If outside of basketball, whatever's going on, bro, talk to me. Like, let me be your outlet. And I'll say, last year for AU, we were in Indiana, and we had a tournament. We're all the way in Indiana, and a couple of players that played with this kid, he got shot and killed. Um, that night, the early, early that night, like, I want to say my birthday was that Friday. Yeah. That, like, that, like the night on the night, he got like early in the morning. Um, he got shot and killed and like played the game, parent, mom, he, you know, she's calling and she's calling Brad, you know, he didn't answer. So she called me and I'm like, what's wrong? Or no, she called her son or his son, her son was on the phone with one of his friends and I guess he got the news, and he like he just kept saying, "No, not my nigga, no my." I'm like, "What's going on?" And like his face bloodshot red, and then like at, like a couple other players, they like they got you know they're getting the same thing. I'm like, "What?" So she called me. She's like, "Where's Brad?" Blah blah. I'm like, "I told so I told her to call back," and then it's when they said it. I'm like, "What?" So right then and there, bro, watching people hurt, and I can't do nothing about it. It, it took like I didn't know the kid, yeah, but I know what it feels like to lose somebody to gun violence or just lose a friend. Period. And I was like, bro, I can't do nothing about it. Yeah. And they didn't want like they didn't want to eat. Like we like after that game, I was like, I need you. You know, we you know try to calm them down. All right. And they didn't want to eat. They went back to the hotel room, laid down until the next game. They didn't want to do nothing, bro. They were quiet. So you know, of course, we talked to them before the next game, and a couple of kids. From the Northern Virginia area, like their parents didn't know, or what happened. Like a lot of like a lot of parents didn't know. So like, I went over there and talked to them. I said the kids kind of uh, said certain kids seemed out of it. And out of twelve kids, eight of them knew the boy. Out of twelve kids, eight of them knew the player. Dang. So it was like so the other four came from the Northern Virginia area, and it was like, all right, we got to tell the parent. I told the parents. I said so they seem out of it. This is what's going on. And like, oh my, God. I'm like yeah, but. Turn out, we ended up winning that game by twenty. One of the kids, he had like, he went out, for, he went for like twenty five. Mm. So it's like, and he was like, you know, I did this for him. I'm like, that's the motivation I need y'all to play with, bro. Yeah, like, it's so because they're like, when we get back to Richmond, I'm gonna do it. I said, bro, you, you're gonna do what? I said, you get back to Richmond, you're gonna do what? You're gonna do it absolutely nothing because the last thing y'all need to do is something stupid to where your parents are now in the same position. Unfortunately, as his parents, you're right? And then his parents are, you know, I said, like, don't, I said, you don't want to do that, bro. That's not. I said you're too young. Keep doing, play basketball. Just do do what he loved. And I'm like, bro. And the year it just passed a year last week. It just came up on a year for him. So, Dang. of course, I checked on them. I'm like, yo, how you feeling? They're like, no, I'm good. I said, no. 
Like, really, how are you feeling? Yeah. And, like, it's still hard to believe. I said, I can believe it, bro. Like, that's young, bro. 16, 17 years old, bro. That's crazy. Yeah. Prayers to him and his family, man. That's tough. That's super tough. So, and with with troubling times like that, right, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you want to help other people, but even for tough times like yourself, you know, open heart surgery, heart attack, car accident, like all these things, how do you – how do you battle the the low states of life? Because you've you've been through the ringer, bro. So like, yeah, but man. you know, to see you now on the camera, it's like, yo, you would you would have never known. So be, how how would how do you go through those things and kind of keep that that energy, that spirit that you have? Uh, so I recently just turned twenty six, and like I said, I, this all happened before the age of twenty five, before the hell, before the age of twenty, yeah, like twenty five. I didn't. Be honest, I didn't see myself making it that far because of everything I went through. And I was like, man, last week I was like, yeah, I made it 26, bro. Like with my uncle there talking about it, I'm like, I'm just blessed to be here. And how do I deal with it? I didn't initially. I didn't. I would, like I said, I went. I had a heart attack at 21, and I'm having my first surgery at that age. So I was like, okay, I'm still battling it, battling it. Two years later, I end up having having to get open heart surgery. So it was like. That was in the all heart attack was in July of 20, 2018. Open heart surgery was in um, August of twenty twenty. Five months after that, I ended up having a car accident. So I had two major near death experiences back to back. Right. Um. Mind you, the heart the heart surgery wasn't even supposed to be a heart surgery. It was supposed to be a simple procedure. Ended up being in the hospital for five days. I was in surgery for seven hours, seven and a half hours. So it's like, bro, I went in at eight o'clock, or well, six o'clock. I didn't go home. I didn't wake up till ten o'clock the next day for the open heart surgery. Yikes. Was in the hospital for five days. Um, car accident happened at seven thirty on a Thursday. Thursday night, I didn't wake up till four four o'clock that Friday. I was in the hospital for four days, Chippenham, and then they took me to a um, rehab facility for another four, where I had to learn how to walk and talk again. My my motor skills were shot. I tell people um, I was like Dory from Finding Nemo. Uh, my memory, I had short-term, I suffered short-term memory loss with, um, I had a severe concussion. I still have a scar behind my ear and in my head. Had a bruised left hip and a sprained right knee. Um, 51st dates, same yeah. way. Like, my memory was that bad, bro. Like, my doctor was telling me what happened. And I'm like, they're talking, talking. And I'm like, what? So they had to write on a note what happened to me because I couldn't remember, bro. And like I said, I was in a rehab facility for four days. Thankfully, I was only there for four days. I, I seen a guy. He was in there for, I don't know how long, but he had a helmet on. And when he one day he took his helmet off. He wasn't supposed to have it off. He had a, a dent in his head. Oh. Like, he had, like, yeah. So, I was like, and that really, it woke me up because I'm blessed to be better than, like, I'm getting out. He's yeah. been, I don't know how long he's been here. And it was head trauma. Clearly, he had head trauma or something. Like, I don't know how long he's been here. And, I, like I said, I had to learn how to do everything again, bro. Like, walking. With like balance, um, my speech was very slurred, so I had speech therapy. I had therapy three times a day in the hospital. Got out the hospital, had physical therapy and speech therapy, speech therapy, speech therapy twice a week, and then um, physical therapy once. So I still deal with the symptoms of my um, short-term memory loss because of, the doctor said it 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 can come and go. It can get better. My brain is healed. Yeah, but it's not. 
there's no time like they can't look at this because you do an x-ray it doesn't say like oh yeah it doesn't happen yeah i still have like i still have side effects from that i still have car accident ptsd which is very like car accident ptsd is like i said that was 7 30 at night bro so i i try not my best not to drive certain places at night yeah. or in the rain at night because like i said it was i was at 7 30 i didn't wake up till four o'clock i was like 15 minutes away from having to own be medically induced into a coma simply because i didn't get up but how i deal with it like i said i didn't deal with it bro like, i didn't i didn't want to initially um my heart attack i was like i was i, I was like okay i'm dealing with that once i got felt securely better turned around and have surgery once i felt better about that car accident so it's like damn it's like three things back to back right and one day i'm sitting in the house with my mom and really what broke me is not having a car so I would go like wake up every morning. I can't like I wanted to go to the store. I had to wait on my mom. Like mom, can you take me to the store? Because I didn't have a car. Every time I went outside, it reminded me. Like I can see that I didn't have a vehicle. So one night I'm sitting there on the phone with my ex girlfriend at the time. With my girlfriend at the time, talking to her, and I just hung up and I was I was upset. I went to my mom's room and I was like, Mom, I'm finna go outside and walk. She was like, What's wrong? I got a face full of tears. I just went outside. And like I just start walking, and she was like, "What's wrong?" I'm like, "I'm just mad. Like, I'm mad about everything." Yeah. And it's like, bro, like I was pissed, bro. <laughs> like I was pissed because it was like, it was why me? Like you're not supposed to question the Lord, but it was like why me? Yeah. And I kept like, yo, it's why me? Why me? And in the midst of all that, I had lost my aunt to cancer, breast cancer, in 2019. So it was like, all I'm dealing with all this, and like, so it's like I'm not dealing, but I'm not dealing with it. I'm right. not really expressing how I feel. So. Went, um, just broke down. She was like, you need, you know, there was like therapy. So I was like, okay, once I get everything straight, like once I mentally get ready, and uh, there's no rush. And then I ended up going to therapy in that, um, 2021. Like once all that, bro, I went to therapy. Best decision of my life. I like, I was like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is actually good. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I should have been get, I could get with this. I was like, because I had some past trauma from when I was a kid as well, but with my, traumatic experiences I was more so not dealing with it yeah and I finally dealt with it with my therapist like talking about it and it's like yeah this is probably something I should have did a long time ago with certain like with a heart attack but it was kind of like I said it, my, my psychiatrist in the hospital he told me everything piled up against me so I really couldn't express everything right that's tough man and like to kind of explain it to everybody is like even for myself I think for real, I probably need therapy just mm-hmm. to express some thoughts that, yeah. I don't know, feel like you can't get off, like get off your chest. Because, of course, I think I said it in one of the podcasts when we first started. I was like, yo, this is pretty much the biggest therapy that I probably got close to. <laughs> it's an outlet, bro. Yeah, it was an outlet we sent down. And, of course, we had mics in front of us and a camera where it's kind of like a digital footprint. But outside of that, it was just like, yo, we just expressing ourselves. And what other facet? Were we doing that? That wasn't therapy. It was really a podcast. Man, I say I told like I told my therapist because people were like when I'm talking about therapy, I was like, yeah, I want to make sure I have a therapist that looks like me. That's dope. Like I wanted a male therapist, but at the same time, I didn't matter if it was male or female. I just wanted an African American therapist. Yeah, because what we go through, they don't. Other people don't go. Other races don't get to necessarily deal with that. Yeah. And I say that not to be, you know, I'm not trying to be funny. No. Like, Caucasians don't deal with the trauma we dealt with, with 
the George Floyd situation, bro. I was scared. I'm not like I was like, bro. That was three years ago. I'm like, I'm 23 at a year. Like that's, but it's again, Trayvon Martin. That was like really the first time I really I watched that verdict on TV and I was heartbroken. And I was like, bro, this is like that could have been me. That exactly. could be you. That like I'm like, and I have nieces, I have nephews, and it's kind of like they're not really understanding. Yet they weren't understanding it. So like I had to explain to them about the George Floyd thing because it's a dog during COVID. And I told people, I said, man, I tweeted out, I was like, it's crazy. We get killed even during COVID. Like, like a pandemic. A man. pandemic is going on and it still happens. And I had to explain that to my nephews and like looking in their faces like, bro, this is this, it's heartbreaking because that could have been me. It could have been them in no matter what situation. So I was like, I want to have a therapist that looks like me that can kind of understand where I come from with certain things. And I was lucky enough to have, be blessed with um, a female therapist who understood exactly what I, I went through because as you know, males in the black community, that's not promoted, bro. Therapy yeah, is not promoted. Bro, I've heard, there's one podcast that I ended up following that's like called Black Fly on the Wall that actually talks about therapy. But outside of that, like we were saying earlier, bro, podcasts are <laughs> normally about relationships and some wild relationships and yep. like, off the wall topics where it's like, yo, this ain't no outlet to really talk about nothing, but to actually find a good therapist and a black therapist at that, I can only imagine it's doing wonders. And now I'm over here thinking like, man, I need to go ahead and find me a, ther- a bro, therapist. It's, it's honestly, bro, like I said, it's, it helped me. And I encourage like to you and everybody out there to go to therapy. Just try it. It doesn't hurt to try because at the end of the day, being a male in the black community, we're not promoted to go to therapy. We're not, it's not okay to cry. Hell, you, you, as a kid, you probably heard like, stop crying like a little girl. Or it's like, bro, or stop being soft. Or it's like, bro, I'm human. At the end of the day, I'm human. So that's natural emotion to cry when something hurts your feelings or you're upset, hurt. But it's like, in the community, we're not promoted to do that. Girls are treated higher at a higher standard. And there's not, I'm not knocking no females out there. Yeah. It's just, that's how our community treats each other. We see it's like, bro, because the older generation, they weren't taught that. Exactly. So now it's... We're trying to break the mold of what's and happening. And my dad, like, bro, he was, like, you know, he's, he's he felt victim of it. Or he does, That's why he doesn't express his feelings as much when he didn't. But now it's like, nah, dog, you... I'm going to make you talk. Like, bro, <laughs> I'm... No, nah, I had to you force... You the therapist my, yeah, now, I had, yeah, to, yeah. I had to force my dad to talk, bro. Like, after my car accident, he was calling me more and more, like... We'll talk like probably two, three times out the week. He'll call me, but now it was like he was calling me like every day. It was like the same thing. Well, I didn't want nothing, so I just wanted to see what you did. Just check in. So I called my stepmom. Talked to my I talked to my mom, my stepmom, and I was like, "Do you think he just calls me because he wants to hear my voice because of what the last five months were?" And they were like, "No, nah. like, yeah, I think so." He just doesn't say. I don't know what your dad. He doesn't say anything. So I, I was like, "I'm gonna ask him." So I asked him, and he was like. Yeah, that was exactly why, because he didn't know when he was going to hear my voice again. Yeah. Car accident really changed everything, like, for everybody, bro. It was yeah, like, I was about to say, man, it don't just, af- like, <laughs> it don't just affect you, nah, right? Bro. You got the whole family that's now worried about it. You got friends that are probably like, yo, tre- like, checking in, just want to make sure. Like, cause- no, like, hearing the story of what happened, like, my accident, my mom telling me how she found out. My dad telling me how, like, I forced him to tell me. They're like, oh, you're not ready. I was like, no, this is part of my grieving process. I need to hear what, how'd y'all find out? And 
it was like I said, it was on a Thursday, and I'm talking to my, you know, my mom had left the house. I'm cool. And then my nieces and nephews, they leave the house. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's, that works. Um, I'm like, you know, they were there outside playing. Me and my niece, you know, the little thing where they're like, the thing where you like change your face when you hold your hand down, like you're like smiling, and then you're doing that. So me and my niece, my youngest niece, she did that, and I left the house, and I went to drop a hoodie off. I actually went to drop a hoodie off to a friend of mine. And I'm, I told him I'm on the way, and he texted me. He was like, he's not, you know, he's not home yet, blah, blah. I was like, okay. So I turned around, and, yeah, that's all I remember. And I was coming off Harrogate Road, like my time was still, and making the left turn. And, like I said, I was found at the scene unconscious, bro. Um, it was dark, windows tinted, I had on bl- all black, so they thought I was actually DOA when they got when like when they got cut me out the opposite side of my car. They had to cut me out the passenger side. Well, get me out the passenger side. Right. Um, and my dad, my mom found out. She said she was sitting at home watching TV and she saw the sirens. Or she saw the lights, but she didn't hear anything. Yeah. So she she looked out her window and she said when she got up to go look or go check the door, they were already they already had the door. They met her at the door and asked, did I live there? She said she thought I had did something wrong. So her initial reaction was like, what, what do happened? you do? Yeah, yeah. like what like, what happened, what did you do? And they were like, he's been in the car accident. You need to come with us. And she's like, is he alive? They didn't know because they couldn't tell her. Because what they got told, they were only telling her what they were told. So she just kept asking, kept asking. And then she had called my dad. My dad lives in Texas, 22 hours away. She calls him, and my stepmom actually told me this. She was like, he was on the phone. He answered the phone like, hello. And his whole tone changed. And she said, that's how she knew something was wrong. Because he just started crying. Yeah. And I was like, and then my brother, my little brother, he his room was down the hall from theirs. He can hear both of them crying now. He goes in to check on them. Like, what's wrong? They tell him. So, because they weren't going to tell him until the next day until they got more information. Right. So I'm like, bro, this is, like, I'm like, what? Like, yo, what? Like. I didn't believe it, but I was like, nah, I need to hear, like, everybody, like, how, like, what happened. Right. And I'm just like, dog, this is crazy. Like, I'm blessed to be in the position I'm in. That's, like, I'm, I'm blessed, bro. Yeah, for like, sure, bro. I'm blessed three times over, dog. Like, I'm I'm glad you're here, bro, and I'm glad we were able to finally get this conversation because yeah, sure. we've been trying to do this, it feels like, for yeah, a minute. Yeah, and you, hearing you know me, so, like, you see how I'm moving. Exactly. It, people don't, bro. People don't realize. They don't realize I have a pacemaker. They don't know. God don't say it unless I tell. Like I tell them, like, oh yeah, I have a pacemaker. But other than that, I don't say nothing, bro. Yeah. It's like, I, I move my life. I carry my life the same way, bro. I love it, bro. To to get out of here, man. What I like to do is, and we've been talking. We've been hitting cliche quotes and one liners. Yeah. I love one liners. I love quotes. You know, you've seen the page. I I give a quote all day. Sure. But do you have a quote? Do you have a one liner? A mantra that you live by I, that you want to get to people? I do. Um, I got a couple. I got yeah, a, I got, you can got, drop all of them I, for I, real. I got, I got. I got a couple. Hold on. Um, and also, cause I, I tweeted out on my um the Twitter page, Silence the Critics Twitter page. Um, like I said, be you. Don't be anybody but yourself. Another another one of my favorites, bro, is oh, man. I gotta find it, man. I gotta find this. Be you. I like, I like that be, one a be, lot, Be though. you. Don't be anybody but don't yourself. Don't be anybody that, but that's, yourself. That's more of a... That's a good authentic one, too, because it's like, yo, if you... In this whole world, there's only one you, right? Yep. So if you learn to just be yourself and master that, you can't lose. And it's, the other one is don't criticize what you don't understand. Oh, that's a good one. 
And that's, that's that thing. that fits with the whole silence to critics thing, but it's also I can't criticize AJ if I don't understand what AJ. I don't I don't understand AJ, so I can't criticize you from the outside looking at it's like I'm just outside looking like I'm trying to figure I don't know, nah, bro. Yeah. Don't criticize what you don't understand, bro. And a lot of people, man, they do that. They crit I mean, that's the world. You criticize, you talk about, oh, I'm not gonna be like this person parenting. I think that's like the main it's like a lot of parents or a lot of people who aren't parents criticize other parents. So if I had kids, I wouldn't do my kid. Nah, bro. Beyond. You know, you know, you never know. I don't have kids. Exactly. I have nieces and nephews, but I don't have kids. I can't say what I wouldn't do right. with my child. That's a big one though. I think that's a really big one. We're gonna leave it off that. Nate, I appreciate you, brother. Appreciate it, man. Hey, hey silence um, the critics. We're gonna put all all socials. We're gonna try and yep. slap all that on there. You know what I'm saying? But also, stay goofy. Gotta, gotta and stay, and, 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 and just like that. You got to stay goofy. We man. out. We out. I'm out of here.